Thank you for joining us here at Conversations with Father Greg as we commemorate what is arguably the most solemn day in the entire Christian calendar, Good Friday. Let's begin with a reading from John's Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers, together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews came together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. 
When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus in the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. At that moment, the cock crowed. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves, and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death that he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and, follow, and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, 
I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has claimed to be the Son of God. Now, when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it is written in the Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But this man said, I am king of Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, 
Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a date of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified, so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, They will look on the one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified. And in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, greetings, everyone. Today, Christians around the world stop to mark one of the most solemn days in the entire Christian calendar. Good Friday. Our gospel reading for today opens with Jesus and his friends in a garden in the Kidron Valley. We see Judas entering with soldiers, police, priests, and Pharisees, all so that they might arrest one teacher who had gone to a garden to pray with his friends. Centuries before, King David was betrayed by his son Absalom in the very same valley. Unlike King David, John's Gospel tells us that Jesus was aware of everything that was about to happen, yet did not resist. Once Jesus was arrested, they took him to the high priest's house. 
While at the high priest's home, another of Jesus' disciples, Peter, denied ever having met Jesus. Remaining in custody, Jesus was moved from the high priest's house to the governor's headquarters where Pilate begins to interrogate him. Pilate's questions center on whether or not Jesus claims to be a king. Jesus' answer could threaten the relationship between the Israelites and their Roman occupiers. It could also stand as a direct challenge to Pilate. It becomes obvious that those who surround Jesus are motivated by fear. Members of the religious establishment were afraid that Jesus' popularity and influence would eventually exceed their own. Meanwhile, Pilate appears torn between his fear of losing civil authority and yet also desperate to placate the mob. It becomes clear that Pilate is more concerned with appeasing the masses than he was concerned with Jesus' true innocence. Both the crowd and Pilate succumb to their fear and Jesus is sentenced to death. Throughout the trial, Jesus did not put up a fight nor did he succumb to the fear that is swirling around him. The Apostle Paul would later write that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Our reading for today concludes with Jesus' sentence being carried out. He has allowed himself to be captured, interrogated, and sentenced, and eventually to be executed, all while barely saying a word. Christian scripture describes Jesus as the Son of God through whom all creation was spoken into existence, and yet he allowed himself to be wrongly convicted, tortured, and executed, all without saying a word. After 2,000 years, it's still a difficult story to consider, and yet we revisit it every year. It's a scene so raw and brutal that we struggle to understand it. I don't know if you've ever noticed the connection between the Christian celebration of Easter and the Jewish celebration of Passover. The Gospels tell us that the first Easter happened as Israel was preparing to celebrate Passover. This is not by mistake, and if we gain a better understanding of Passover, we will also be better equipped to understand the deeper meaning of Easter. The annual celebration of Passover recalled Israel's liberation from Egyptian captivity. Before the people of Israel were led out of Egypt, each family was instructed to sacrifice a lamb. They were to eat it and mark their door frames with its blood. Those houses that bore the lamb's blood would be identified as a part of God's people. The houses without the mark of the Lamb would be touched by death. Early in John's Gospel, we read that John the Baptist proclaimed Jesus to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he made the connection between Jesus and the Passover by referring to Christ as our Paschal Lamb who has been sacrificed for us. The book of Revelations makes 29 references comparing Jesus to the Lamb of God. 
we begin to see that since the earliest days of Christianity, the sacrificial Passover lamb has been understood to foreshadow Jesus' sacrifice at Easter. Just as the mark of the lamb liberated Israelites centuries before, the mark of Christ has been liberating people since that first Easter. This does not take away from the historical facts of Jesus' life and crucifixion. Rather, it allows us to understand Easter in a deeper and more powerful way. Every year, our journey toward Easter begins on Ash Wednesday. On Ash Wednesday, the priest challenges those gathered with these words. We begin our journey towards Easter with the sign of ashes, an ancient sign speaking of the frailty and uncertainty of human life and marking the penitence of the community as a whole. On Good Friday, we witness the Son of God coming alongside humanity and joining us in our frailty. While having divine companionship may sound comforting, it also means that we first have to acknowledge those frailties as our own. The good news is that we are not left there. As we anticipate celebrating Jesus' resurrection on Easter Sunday, we are given hope that neither our physical, emotional, nor our spiritual frailties are permanent. The resurrected Christ does not simply breathe life into our physical bodies, but animates every aspect of our being, mind, body, and soul. This is how Jesus was able to promise his disciples that he had come so that we might have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray. God, unlimited by mortal fear or the tomb's cold grip, in the lingering dark give us grace to know your life triumphant, your love undimmed, and your grace affirmed in the face of Jesus Christ, the firstborn from the dead. Amen. <laughs>